This episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by Sword Tools. If you haven't taken a look at swords, fillet knives, or any of that stuff, you're missing out. I have their one of their fillet knives. I also have their quick bait knife. I love their stuff. Swordfishingproducts.com is the place to go. Take a look at all the gear they have with the knives, pliers, and apparel. Where the map turns blue, there's a reason they say that. So take a look at swordfishingproducts.com. Take a look at them on social media, and you'll find out all about their products. Thanks, Swordfishing, for always being there for me and helping me out. This week on Finding Demo Surfishing, we're going a little bit north. Not too far. Kind of the Carolina, Virginia area. And we are going to be playing with a fun product. I don't know if you've noticed a little trend here, but lures seems to be the way that beach fishing is starting to play a little bit. I'm still a huge fan of my set rigs. It's never a bad day to sit down in the sand, throw your bait out there, and chill. But there's something about throwing out a lure and getting smacked and pulling that in on the beach. So this week, we're talking with Tim Still of Beach Bum Lures. Hope you're ready. This is li- You're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. Ah, yes. New week, new episode coming to your ears and a lot of fun stuff. I hope you've been enjoying the ones that have been going on. I know I have definitely been enjoying recording them and asking tons of questions. So many cool things are being thrown out there for knowledge to make us all better anglers. And I don't know about you, but a lot of these episodes have definitely helped me get a lot better out there and much more dangerous in the water, which is the key. Always want to be catching. So like I said in the intro, we're talking with Beach Bum Lures, Mr. Tim Still this week. He's got a lot of cool stuff to talk about with his product and his fishing knowledge. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Oh, finally. I'm, I'm just glad I get you. <laughs> I'm always excited <laughs> about that. Here. All right. So um, make sure I got all your social right. So we've got Facebook, Instagram, and the internet, and it's beachbumluresfishing.com is the main website, and your social media handles are Beach Bum Lures, correct? Yeah, Beach Bum Lures on Facebook, and then um, a little different on uh, uh, Instagram. We do have it on Instagram, but my main um, uh, account is Beach Marauder. Uh, I think it's Beach underscore Marauder uh, 23 on there so and that's where i show a lot of catches and things like that okay i'll make sure i get that linked back up into the description get that all set up okay and you have had some great catches uh reported back i mean when i was doing my standard stock fest of all right let's see what i'm going to ask questions (laughs) on man there's been some cool catches on these things yeah um you know it, it, it a lot of it is uh seasonal as you would expect but um you know from doing I'd say 21 years of surf and pier fishing, uh, you know, you kind of get into a pattern to where you can expect certain species at, at certain times for sure. I mean, even so much as to uh, the wind patterns and, you know, how clear the water is, you kind of know what to expect when you go out. So that's the research part of it, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, I love the research part. 
I got to go out there and try something. I'm sorry. I got to do this. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so nowadays, um, while we were working on this be- episode before, you uh, you were in the middle of moving. So where did where's the new headquarters? So uh, now I'm in a uh, military town called uh, Havelock, North Carolina. Um, so it's just, I'd say, uh, it's just off the beach, about 20 20 minutes from the beach, but it's not so close that it's, uh, you know, annoying. Uh, but, you know, I was in Charlotte, which was kind of the center of the state. And uh, as you can imagine, that was a quite a haul uh, getting from Charlotte to the coast when I needed to get here. So it just made sense to get closer to where most of my customers are. And, you know, and then the fact that I can get up every morning and go out and throw some metal on the on the beach that doesn't hurt either so. no, no not yeah. even a little <laughs> right. well that's yeah. quite a move from charlotte over to havelock i mean that that is yeah. that's a little culture difference there i mean heavy city yeah, into a, a little bit of the backwoods sm- a smidge yeah it's it's a it's a big change more so for the for the kids uh than you know my wife is from this area and uh the same county at least and you know we lived here after college for a couple of years we met in college moved back here uh close to our family and then uh moved to charlotte because of work and then came back because of fishing for the most part and and the business of course so right yeah it's amazing how that happens it's like life just sort of does that i mean i I know people our age are gonna kind of be like yep yep (laughs) you you younger listeners you guys got it made man you got (laughs) <laughs> it eventually Absolutely. comes back and gets you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do do all you want now, and then uh, you know, you know later things change. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Oh, very true. Well, let's back it up and let's start at the beginning. So, tell us yeah. your how I got into fishing story. Uh, it's probably similar to most most of people listening right now. I mean, uh, my dad loved fishing, and uh, you know, so whether we liked it or not, we were going. So it, we started out doing a lot of ponds and rivers, things like that. And then once a year, uh, my dad would take us, take the family to uh, Virginia Beach area. And that's when, you know, I first started fishing off the pier a little bit and, uh, you know, started to notice the difference between, you know, even at a pretty young age, the difference in the, the, the fish and the aggressiveness of the fish in saltwater. So I kind of gravitated to that. Um, you know, one th- one memory I have is my brother and I, we snuck out the back door of the hotel with my dad's tackle box and, you know, <laughs> went out on the beach. And uh, my brother tied on one of my dad's, like, freshwater bass lures. You know, it was like a, a rapala or something like that. And uh, he hooked into something big. And, you know, for years we always wondered, what was that? You know, he never saw it. Um, you know, he didn't only, he only threw it out maybe 10 yards and, uh, something big took that thing and, and that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting to get into the saltwater fishing kind of thing. So I think we were maybe 12 and 13 at the time. And, uh, but, but after that happened, I was like, oh shoot, you know, there's some crazy stuff out there. Yeah. I can only imagine that at that age. Oh man. Yeah, that was, it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, and like I said, it was always enjoyable. Um, it, it, that one trip a year, where we'd uh, catch a bunch of spot and uh, croaker, 
um, bluefish, trout, things like that. And I'd always remember the guys at the end of the pier fishing with the uh, artificial stuff. And, you know, I'd always ask, what are they doing? And, you know, my mom would say something like, well, you don't you don't want to go out there. You might hook something you can't handle or something. You know? yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, that's exactly where I want to be. So, yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, that's how it got started for me for the most part. You know, and then uh, when I went to went to school on a baseball scholarship, um, after that was done, I played a few years of minor league ball, um, independent leagues and stuff like that. And, uh, once that was finished, I was looking for something to kind of fill that gap. And, and that's when I got back into fishing. So saltwater fishing. Oh, yeah, man. That's quite the move there. I mean, triple A, I mean, that, that system is not an easy system to get into for minor league ball to get into the big show. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it's like every day someone was showing up to take your position. I mean, there was like a, a, a somebody was trying out for the outfield or first base and, you know, somebody that had been a, a big shot in some organization, they come in and you're like, oh, man, you know, are they not they're this unhappy with what we're doing that they're bringing in other people? But I mean, it was just the nature of the business, you know, right. um, and once you realize that, you kind of just relaxed and played and said, "Hey, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen." So, <laughs> talk about get came from. get set up for corporate life at a young age, right there the, through that industry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Jeez. man. I mean, uh, you know, the, and I'll tell people all the time that even though I didn't make it all the way, quote unquote, um, what I learned uh, those few summers. Um, prepared me for the rest of my life, really. I mean, um, being able to uh, deal with all types of people, all different backgrounds, and then deal with adversity was the big thing. You know, I mean, uh, setbacks, because that's what baseball is. I mean, it's a series of, of failing and uh, with a little bit of success, and then it's how you deal with the, the failure. So um, I've experienced that in the corporate world and, you know, out fishing, you know, little things, you know, pretty much everyday life. So Yeah. Dude, I mean, hell, I think the way you learned is better than the way I did in the Marine Corps. I mean, <laughs> you, you really got it shot at you there. It took me like 20 years to figure it all out. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, living in – live basically as a minor league baseball player, you're living out of your car for the most part because, you know, the next day you could be going home. Um, yeah. So it toughens you up if, if you if you if you're willing to take – take that lesson you know some guys just got bitter and would quit you know um you know just you you'd see you'd be talking to a guy one day the next he doesn't show up for the game you know i mean it was it's pretty crazy world but at the same time you know i I loved it it wouldn't change anything about it so nice man and and it pushed you into the next next realm and next life and next set of things so good stuff absolutely well all right, so you started out in the fresh, and then as it pushed onto you there, you, you started loving, you came back, and then you felt gotten back into the salt water after that awesome startup with your brother, and it just became the addiction. Now, after right. all these years, what type of fishing do you like to do? So uh, I'd say 99.9% of the time, um, I'm throwing some kind of lure, whether it be uh, a, a grub for trout, and, you know, we have a couple of months here where there's not a whole lot to do fish for other than trout. Uh, the rest of the time, I'm 
fishing high speed stuff. Um, I'd rather be fishing on the beach than than on a boat any day. Um, you know, no offense to anybody. I'm just saying for me, the excitement of, of, uh, kind of hunting them down on foot or, you know, when they open up the beach, you can drive on it, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm usually fishing for, uh, the pelagics or pelagics that come out or come in close to shore. Um, uh, so your Spanish mackerel, uh, king mackerel on occasion, you know, I've, I've, Hooked a couple of them. I've I've lost both of them. Uh, one on a rock jetty, um, and then the other just broke my line. And uh, so, false albacore. Um, what else? Blues, of course. I'd, I'd like to. When we get a, a a little season where the bigger bluefish will come through, and we'll get about three weeks of of targeting them if the weather's okay. Um, that's usually in the spring. But once we hit uh, I'd say April, it's pretty much, you could, you could catch anything. I mean, they're, um, not a ton of them, but they're tarping around, things like that. Um, Kings, as I mentioned before, lots of Spanish though. Uh, that's kind of the, the thing that, uh, it's the, the, the more exciting of the fish that you can catch with lures around here, um, that a lot of people get into and you can kind of spread your knowledge about that. And, uh, cause you know, there's some tricks to it. Some days, you know, they'll, they're basically beaching themselves, but when the times get tough, um, and they won't bite anything, that's when you can, uh, you kind of test, uh, your skills and, and see where you really are. So, yeah. Okay. The, this, I love Spanish. I, mean, I don't know what it yeah. is about them, the, the way they fight on a lure or even just, they see something and they are a fun fish to go after. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you know, you, you, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, when I first moved back toward the coast, uh, with, with my wife, her cousin came over and, uh, one morning or one evening say, Hey, I'm going fishing in the morning. Would you like to go? And I hadn't fished saltwater in probably five years at that point. And, uh, I was like, and she was like, yeah, go ahead and go. It'll be fun. It, crazy as it sounds, I didn't even know how close we were to the beach. I mean, um, <laughs> we were only an hour away, you know, uh, if that. So he came and picked me up. And then uh, I I remember that same morning I saw a Spanish mackerel for the first time. And uh, I was like, well, well, what's that? And the guy was like, well, they catch those on the end, but it's like work. You know, you, you know, basically we were sitting there, you know, just throwing out bait whatever hits hits and then uh and i was like but the whole time i swear i was staring down at the end of the pier to see who's going to catch another one you know this <laughs> this pretty fish with all the spots on it and stuff and um so after that trip i kind of started going back by myself and uh you know he didn't want to do that type of fishing but you know i was like i gotta i gotta figure i gotta see what this is all about and uh that's that's how i ended up going back alone most of the time yeah well, it makes a lot of sense right there you see something no one else wants to you're going to make it happen but brilliant yeah, yeah absolutely well i'm glad you're bringing that up because we're definitely gonna have to dig into that um <laughs> and i know i'm going to ask that question a little bit later because yeah. uh, one of the things that i see a lot of here in our area and granted this is brian's blind ignorance so please just you know <laughs> <laughs> be, be gentle um, yep. I, I primarily fish uh, set rigs mostly because I've had 
only a little bit of luck on lures in the times that I've been out. Um, gotcha. Normally for me, when I'm throwing, I'm throwing a spoon. Um, uh, if not a spoon, I've thrown GI jigs, uh, another uh, guy yep. that's in the Virginia area, if I remember correctly. Um, right. <clears throat> or an ES lure. I've been throwing different ones and trying to learn. Uh, but it's been funny is uh, I always go back to the spoon. <laughs> because right. of, like I can right. control the cadence, and then I started throwing Rapalas uh, for you know the shadow wraps and stuff like that, and I was able yeah. to you know get feel like that was always the go to. But one thing I always had the problem with, <clears throat> and I've talked to other people about it, it was like you know how do I do this? It was always like well, well you just do this, and there was right. nothing more. So when yep. you agreed to an interview, I was like somebody that makes lures for the beach. That does all this stuff. <laughs> that catches all the things I can catch. Yes, I'm gonna learn. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, and, and, and yeah, that's that's a great point because uh, now what they were using when I first went back to the pier are uh, gotcha plugs, and it was just you know I'd never seen anything like it, but I'd never seen so many fish get caught. You know where you see you know four or five people hooked up at the same time, almost every cast. And, you know, and I think that was the exciting part for me. But that, that's a great point because I didn't – when I first bought a gotcha plug, I remember I fished about 30 yards away from anybody else because I didn't – one, I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing. But, two, um, I wanted to – before I got in everybody anybody's way, I wanted to, to see if I could get the – or perfect the, the, the skill, so to speak, and – uh it just so happens that that spot that I chose fish were biting in it. So, I mean, it was like a baptism by fire type of thing, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and then you learn the little things like, you know, now you need a leader, um, things like that. And, uh, you know, the, all that came from people that were, you know, kind of the veterans on the pier that kind of helped me, um, in the early stages. So that's why it's so easy. I'll, I'll easily, uh, if I see somebody that I can help, um, I offer it before they can ask, you know, if, you know, and, and some people are sensitive about that kind of stuff, but if I can help somebody out the way I was helped out, then, you know, I'm all for it. Oh man, you're a good person just for that right there. Yeah. I knew I liked you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Well, so now we pretty much established your primary style of fishing when you go out to the beach is lures. Um, that's, that's your yeah. happy. That's where you like to run. So let's back, let's get into that and let's start that one. So how do you plan yeah. your fishing day? So it's pretty much the same. It's been the same for the past five, six years. Um, and, and, and really, um, it was because of where I lived. I lived so far away from the beach that when I got down there, I wanted every advantage I could the next day. Cause a lot of times I would leave after work on Friday, uh, which would be around six o'clock and you know, I, I wouldn't get in town till much later. It was already dark, whatever. So, um, I would walk, first thing I would do is I'd go on the pier under the lights to see how much baits in the water. Um, if I could tell, um, what type of bait even better, because that would kind of, uh, give me an idea of what I was going to use the next day. Um, so it, it's really doing a lot of, um, of research, so to speak the day before. And then based on what I saw that evening and what the wind pattern is going to be, uh, like for instance, where we most of, us, uh, the guys in my area fish, if we know we have wind coming out of the North, 
we know the water is going to be super flat and we'll be able to cast because the wind's going to be behind us. Um, so you'll be able to cast a little bit farther. So that tells me, okay, in the morning I can use a three quarter ounce because the wind's going to give me the rest of the distance that I wouldn't normally get. And then on the opposite end, if the wind's coming out of the south, it's going to be in our face. So I'm going to use something a little bit heavier um, just to compensate for that. And uh, so a lot of the planning comes with reading fishing reports from the past week. Um, um, now I'm, that I'm here, you know, it's a little bit different, but I would read a fishing report, see how what they're catching, um, where they're catching if possible. I would try to check that out as well. And then um, I, I would just kind of, uh, based on that, all that information, I would go out the next morning with a game plan, so to speak, because knowing I had, you know, I wasn't going to be able to just go back and forth, back and forth like the locals. I would try to get as much information as I could before starting the day, which would, uh, which would usually, it would usually help out a lot. So yeah, makes... that's how the, the day starts out. Well, so let's talk about that other piece there. So when you're at the pier and you're looking in the water for what the bait is, uh, what is it you're looking for exactly? The, I, I, my brain tells me you're looking for, all right, that's a LY or, Hey, you know, you know, it's, yeah, you know, whatever it is gotcha, out there, yeah, yeah. and you're trying to match. And my thought is, is that you're going to match your lures for the day all along those patterns. Yep, absolutely. Um, like sometimes, especially more so in the fall, uh, we'll get uh, and you know people call them different things in other places, but the uh, uh, the needlefish, um, and then uh, another that looks almost like a a ballyhoo, but it's something else. You know, I can't, I don't know exactly what they call it, but that is a very uh, long, it's a long bait, you know, I'm saying that's about five, six inches. So I used to make a lure that was two ounces and it was about four and a half inches. So if I saw that and I saw a fish kind of cutting through them under the lights, that told me, okay, I'm going to at least try this one first in the morning. And then also I would look at how far, um, or how far up the pier most of the bait is. So if they're 60 yards up the pier, that tells me that I can reach about that area from the beach. Cause I'm, you know, I'm usually casting, uh, if with the right kind of wind, I'm getting out there pretty good, you know, 80 to sometimes 110 yards or so. Um, you know, and I'll get into how, how, how I do that as well later if, if, if we uh, go go that direction. But, well, we'll be going that um, direction. That that yeah. will happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at those things, the type of bait. So I, if they're glass minnow, which some people call uh, silver sides, I believe, in different parts of the country, but then that tells me I'm going to try to throw my three-quarter or the one-ounce uh, lure because they're about the same size, same shape, and I have some uh, things that kind of match that that uh, pattern of of what they look like. Okay. And and most of the time we're uh, when we're cranking when we're retrieving, uh, we're going pretty fast anyway. So basically, we're just wanting the the, the fish to get a a, a glimpse of it, um, and then go on a chase rather than them than a slow thing you would do with the trout. Um, with the uh, more aggressive fish, we're, we're, we're going pretty fast. And uh, again, we just want some things to stand out 
that looks like uh, the bait. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be another question later on, but since you opened it, we'll we'll go on that path before we get to the next question. Um, gotcha. So when you're talking about different species and you're talking and you brought it up right there with different speeds on the retrieve, uh, I've heard right. like Spanish they they want a front, they want to run after it, they want to fight for it, they 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 want the turbo, but trout want right. to kind of like, oh hey, you look tasty, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna eat you. Um, <laughs> so how can you explain that to me on different speeds and what you're targeting and how that works yeah so um well for an example uh the the i'd say the four uh biggest spanish i've caught um one being about six and a half pounds the other three in the fives um every one of those have the the lure was moving so fast that and and a lot of that when i say speed a lot of that has to do with the reel so you know, I think I use a uh, Shimano Twin Power, so it's it's kind of blazing through without a lot of effort. Um, so the lures in those in those particular cases, they were moving so fast that they were up on top of the water. What I learned was that those really big Spanish, when the lure is on top of the water, it, it they can't really get a good look at it. They're just seeing something that looks like a bait fish across coming across the top of the water and you know they absolutely love it you know um and and another reason it's good is because if you're trying to, if you're in a in water that's kind of saturated with spanish and blues what i found is if you're slowing it down you're going to catch the blues if you speed it up you're going to catch the spanish because that used to drive me crazy years ago i'd be there'd be a guy on my left a guy on my right catching beautiful spanish mackerel i'd be the guy in the middle catching bluefish and i couldn't <laughs> never fear i could using the same bait same line all that stuff what i learned was they were using a a, a reel with the higher gear ratio um maybe a faster tip on their rod or whatever things that i did i had no idea about at that time and uh it, really you can dictate by speed what you're going to catch you know, and that, again, that's just something that came with years and years of doing it. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I'll take the same lures in September. So a couple weeks from now, I'll just slow them down a bit because I know there's a big, there's big trout right in the surf that time of year. Same, same lures, just a different speed. So I'll put it this way and go to the next point, but on one day in September, this was two years ago, I caught uh, a false albacore, which is high speed, a big, uh, some big Spanish high speed trout, which was, you know, kind of inching it along, and bluefish and something else. But those are all totally different uh, feeding style or uh, fish that feed in different ways. The Spanish and now be or false albacore are about the same, but. The others are totally different feed styles, and I caught all four on the same lure. So wow. it was just that the only difference was the the speed in which I was uh, retrieving. Wow, that makes a lot of sense, uh, especially yeah. with you know the things that I've been trying to figure out. That point right there is, I mean, that's golden itself. So speed yeah. and retrieve um, being the big monster. Okay, 
Uh, Absolutely. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to get yeah. in trouble. <laughs> I think I need to pick up another reel. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I recently got my hands on a uh, Ninja Dagger 7-foot. Matt Poole uh, just released the 7-foot mm-hmm. rods, and I've been itching to get it out. I've taken it out a couple times on the beach, but I haven't had a lot of luck. Granted, our water temperature gotcha. is like 86 degrees, and it's a bath water. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't help my cause. But, um, yeah, it's still pretty warm here. Too, <laughs> oh, so. is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I ended up picking up a Shimano Vanford. And uh, when I first got it, I was really like, oh, okay, this looks this is great, feels good. And then I looked at the specs, and it's a 42-inch 40, retrieve. Right. Uh, yep. and, and then I grabbed my other uh, my other rods. So I've got a 9-foot dagger and a 10-foot over the bar. And both of those have different reels on them. And both of them have a 32-inch and then a 36-inch retrieve. And it, right. that is a huge difference when, it you're, really is, when yeah. you're reeling in between 40 and 32. I never, you know, at first I was like, oh, whatever, it's not going to be. No, that speed is out. It's just night and day between fish. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Um, you know, my one of my buddies, uh, one of the only guys that I'll, I'll go out on the boat with. He he lives in Wilmington, uh, and he just got a Vanford. And um, at well, I said just this was back early spring, and uh, it's like, well, yeah, just give it a try, see what you think. And you know, I thought it was a a great reel. I mean, it was feather light as a feather. Um, you know, you could tell it was really well built. And uh, you know, that's that's kind of the things I'm looking for. Anything that's gonna be light in the hands, and that goes for the rod as well. Um, light in the hands because I, you know, when I'm when I'm out there, I'm out there, and I'm gonna cast and and cast and cast and cast. So uh, anything that uh, makes it a little more comfortable, uh, you know, I'm all for it. So yeah, and, and do the do the job that you're out there to do, which is to to catch something and uh, you know try not to get skunked. That yeah. Day. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of perfect on the casting timing. Bait check. It is your first bait check for the episode. This bait check has been brought to you by Rogue Reels Fishing, and that's reels with a Z. And on over and take a look at the fishing rigs he's got. He's got the new Demo HD double drop rig. It's a rig that him and I worked together on. It I uh, needed something that was going to be able to handle set rigs and something a little bit more toothy than a pompano. It's held up pretty well against sharks, I will say that. He's also got red drum leaders, shark leaders, kind of rigs that you could possibly use for just about anything and if there's something special you want he's willing to make them for you so head on over to rogue reels fishing that's again reels with a z.com and take a look at all the gear that he has set up so when we've gone into the well we've moved here into the reels we've talked about those pieces um now let's talk about finding into the visual cues you've already talked about matching the hatch you know you've I know what bait's out there. Uh, now right. I know what I'm going to target. So how do you select your spot when fishing? Okay. So um, a, a lot of it uh, has just come from repetition, um, constantly trying a uh, new spot. So in the beginning, when I really got into the, the surf fishing, it was just, let me try this spot. And then if I don't do well here, I'll try another. Um, as that evolved it then became, I kept, I started questioning why did I catch fish in this spot or why didn't I catch them in that spot, so on and so forth. So 
Um, so what I'm looking for um, is, is a spot where there's the deepest, the water looks the deepest, first of all. Um, you know, I just feel like it's, it's like anything else. You, you're you covering more water um, and you're, you're likely to find uh, more fish congregating, congregating or in the area of, of uh, deeper water. So um, where another place where I can fish and there's not a lot of um, just beach goers, you know, people around that's going to bother you every time you, you reel in something. Um, or, you know, there's you don't have to watch for kids running behind you, that kind of thing. Um, so those are the, 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 the basic things there. So um, next I kind of go to which direction the wind's blowing. So, for example, uh, there's a place here, popular fishing spot called uh, Fort Macon State Park. So that's just Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, and you just kind of go – uh, you drive on through that little town, and then you you come up on a state park that's an old uh, uh, fort. So you have two different uh, body or pieces of water there. So you have the inlet side where um, the water's generally clean all the time. Um, if the wind is blowing at a certain direction, southwest usually that's the best side to fish in because it kind of is almost like the bait are kind of just staying in the inlet right over there. And what I started to find was that, uh, on days with the Southwest wind, that's always when the guys in the boats are trolling through for Kings and, and, uh, the bigger Spanish mackerel. So, uh, you know, I put the two together. I'm like, well, Hey, they're there for a reason. And, the wind's blowing in this direction, so I'm going to sit over here today and see what I can uh, find. So on the flip side of that, if we have a predominantly north wind, I'm going to be on the beachfront. Same, the same park and all that, but you just, like I said, on, on, on one area you could fish the beach, the other you're fishing the inlet. So um, I know with the north wind, it's going to blow the bait out of the in, out of the inlet onto the beach and that's when the uh the, the predators you know the predators know this too they knew it way before we did so they're coming in to meet the or ambush the bait coming out of the inlet so i want to be in the spots where they're ambushing the um the the bait and then um a north wind is going to clean up the water south wind is going to make it muddy and stained and for this type of fishing we're looking for the cleanest water you can find so you know if i know 10 you know five miles up the beach the water is cleaner then i'm going to go there every time you know regardless of what's been going on the past few days i'm going to go to find the cleanest water i can find sometimes it's just not you're not going to find any because of of the the Either if we get a bunch of rain and it's washing through the inlet out onto the beach, uh, or if we've had a lot of south wind and it's just made it rough and, and churned up the water. You know, those days, I, I typically, since I don't do any bait fishing, you know, I'll just kind of, you know, wait it out until the water cleans up. But that's, that's I'd say, the most important thing I'm looking for is water clarity. Okay. So you mentioned north wind and south wind. What about east and west for you? So 
there's a, a little slogan around here uh, that that I, I started hearing a, a few years ago. It was like, East is least and West is best. Well, for me, I haven't done any good on either one of them. <laughs> so <laughs> I figure... I figure no, neither one of them is either any better or worse than the other. Um, now, I will say that I can say firsthand, there's been days where you can catch Spanish and blues and and whatever else that will hit metal almost every cast. The wind switches around out of the east, and it just goes completely dead. But wow. then there's times where it's been it's like a it's been east for a few days straight, and then it's 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 almost like it doesn't matter. But I think it's more of the sudden change that that kills the bite rather than uh, the fact that it's you know fish don't like east uh, the the wind out of the east. I think it's more of the weather the 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 sudden change that kind of I don't know if it spooks them or pushes them off the beach or whatever, but. Um, there is a, there is a difference. I can tell that, you know, West, I just don't fish, fish it must much because it's hard to cast the way that we're type trying to fish. So, I mean, it's kind of coming right from right to left and it's right in your face, um, for the most part. And it only leaves a few places where you can actually take advantage of that wind. And those are the places where people are usually kind of just out hanging out on the beach. And, you know, I try to, if they were there, I, I try not to uh, get in the middle of that. I'll just wait until they leave or whatever. So makes sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you brought that one in. It's going to make set up pretty good here. So I'm adjusting uh, a question on you here. Um, okay. It's kind of a two part. So we'll start with the first one. How do you set up your gear? And what I mean by that is, what gear are you using? What rods and reels? Okay, so uh, yeah, like I said, we touched on the reel. I right. use a uh, Shimano, um, and I, I also I used to have a uh, uh, was it a Pin Clash, I believe it was. Um, that was also, you know, it was a little heavy for what I like like to use. So I, I kind of use that if we know the bigger bluefish are around. It's a little bit slower too, so you can use top water with it a little easier and and keep the the type of motion you're looking for but um i'm pretty consistent with the shimano um and it's a uh, 5000 i think four four thousand would be would be fine too but i just like a lot of line just because you know if you hook into a king or something like that you're going to need it and yep. then so as for the rod um you know, you, you have uh, a few different schools of thought around here. Some say, well, you can just, you'll be fine with a 7.6 or whatever. And and I totally agree. My thing is um, I use either a 9.6 or a 10-foot uh, fast action rod. Um, and I use a, a black hole blank, but I have a guy uh, who, you know, he'll um, customize it for me. So... Um, and my reasoning behind that is one, the distance, um, with a 10 foot rod, uh, I got, I had some, we were testing one of them, uh, back in the early, early spring. So I'm thinking, I think this was like March. And, uh, so we, we had a ounce and a half and a one ounce. We're testing those just to see what kind of distance we get out of them. I mean, I think we were both hitting the. Hundred and 
40-yard mark with the ounce and a half. Now, th- now these were ideal conditions on standing right. in a field. So <laughs> People... we didn't have any waves crashing us in the, the midsection and all that. It's, but, it's uh, easy to forget about the perfect conditions when throwing, right? When yeah, you're doing yeah. practice throws, yeah. like, I'm going to set myself the most ideal to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and, and you know, and I always uh, uh, preface that with, you know, hey, these were country club conditions here that we were casting in. But um, so, but for, for me, I, I like a, a long rod that's pretty flexible, um, and it's 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 super light, um, you know, and, and, and even if – um, the ideal, the, the the conditions aren't that great. I know that I'm gonna at least get out there 70, 75 yards, and 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 typically that's 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 really good enough because um, you're just trying to get behind the breakers for the most part. Um, so with that and with that being said, um, the gear is the Shimano, which is light reel. The rod is light. Now I use braided line. Um, I typically use either a ten, uh, ten pound braid or fifteen. Wow! Um, I did not. Sometimes expect I'll, yeah. Sometimes I'll step up to twenty um, when we know there's a lot of albacore biting or false albacore biting, and you know, not that they it can't handle it. It's just more the stress on the line more than anything. Right. Um, and the fact that you're making a lot of casts, so that there is going to wear out the, you know, your your top guide is going to wear down some of the line as well every time you cast. So I try to switch where. So if I have a foot between, uh, which is going to be more than because I use a pretty long leader, but let's say I have a foot of of space between the lure and the tip of the rod, um, I consciously will, at the next few casts, I will alternate that that space so you're not getting the same spot worn out by the cast if that makes sense yeah i see what you're so saying so like when you yeah. you got that tip line you know it's like all right this one's going to be a couple inches hang couple inches hang because you don't want the same fret, uh, bend on there absolutely yep yep that's exactly it so and and again that those are just things i just you you just pick up from from doing it so much but um but yeah the the setup is pretty much the same i use a 20 pound uh, or 25 pound floor fluorocarbon leader that's usually two to three feet long um my, my thinking behind that is you know the 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 more space you have between the green braided line and the lure i think you have a better shot of, of hooking up um you know and I, I was using 30 at times and 40 but then i realized that you know if a if a fish like a Spanish or a blue hits it straight on, it's not, you know, 40 pounds, not going to save it. You know, 50 is not going to save it for right. the most part, you know, if the fish is big enough. So I was like, well, let's just drop that down, speed it up and make it to where the fish is actually having to catch up to the lure to, to prevent it overbiting the lure and cutting your, uh, cutting your leader. So, um, you know, that's been my theory. You know, a lot of guys look at me like I'm crazy, like, hey, you using 10-pound line for, for false albacore? And I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, that's where you're dragging all that stuff and it's supposed to, to come to you, come to the rescue, you know. Um, you know, and, 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 and having a flexible rod to me is almost like extra drag because you, you, you're a good flexible rod. Um, that's like, to me, extra drag because, you know, that, that give – 
it's tiring the fish out at the same time, you know, at the same time as your drag is. So that's, Dude, that's my, so my smart. I mean, that yeah, you just hell for me. I I've been the normal person, you know, when I throw in my stuff, I've normally got a, a 30 pound uh, mono is normally what I'm using. Um, yep, that's what I used to use. Yep. Okay. So, but I mean, I was running yep. 30 pound for that one reason because I was always worried about the teeth because I can't tell you the amount of times I, I'll pull in <laughs> something and I'm frayed or bit up or chewed up and it's like, please don't get it. And my line of thinking yep. was the same that I've always just, I guess it's because I've never asked. But that point right. of, you know, well, if I went lighter, what the hell? Dude, that's so brilliant. Way to yep. go, man. Yep. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. Uh, you know, I just, this is just one of those things where I was actually in Walmart about, I guess this was four years ago, just looking at different stuff. It was one of those times where I got there late and I was, I didn't have anything else to do but go in Walmart, you know, uh, before I get, get some sleep or whatever. So um, I was kind of walking down the line, the aisle with uh, where all the line is, and I saw that, uh, I think it was Seaguar. They had a a 20-pound fluorocarbon with 150 yards, but then they're 25 and 30, you only get like 50 yards, and they, they just slap leader on it. I'm like, well, what's the difference really? Right. You know, so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to take this 20-pound and try it. And, I, and you know, and this may sound convenient, but it's 100% true is that uh, that next day I could tell the difference um, in the, the, the amount of bites I got versus just the week before using 30-pound uh, mono. So little things like that might get you two or three more hookups th that you wouldn't have gotten ordinarily. So um, so I, I, once I started using that, um, it's the red label, uh, Cigar Red Label. And, uh, you know, I was like, hey, I can get 150 yards of this for 12 bucks, or I can spend – you know, 15 bucks on um, uh, 60 yards of, of so-called leader. And uh, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to take the economical route and just try this. And it, it worked out. So Nice. I, I can see how that definitely would. So, okay. Yeah. So you tie. I do, I do, just to add one more thing. I do tie the leader directly to the, um, the braid instead right. of using a swivel. Um, you know, and that's, and, it, now, if I were fishing for blues, like the bigger blues, uh, you know, eight, ten pounders that used to come through pretty regularly, I would use a swivel for that because I don't think it makes a difference. Um, but what I found when there's a lot of Spanish, if I use, well, well one thing I would say to anybody who wants to use a leader, uh, I mean a uh, swivel on their leader, choose the black one because those little, the shiny ones will get bit by the Spanish and blues, you know, it, it took me forever to learn what was happening, but they were actually targeting because it's flashy and it's small. Um, they were hitting the, the swivel rather than the lure. So, you know, Hey, that was another experience thing learning. You're the second person to tell me about that. Yep. Well, I've, uh, because of that, I think I lost a few rigs, but then I learned, I started tying everything. Now it's, I don't care if it's a Pompano rig, high-low, single right. Carolina, everything is tied, <laughs> braid to mono or floral. It, it yep. leader that, nope, I'm not in those two together. I don't care. It's going <laughs> to, I am making that work. <laughs> yep. Okay. Absolutely. So you, you said something that I, I just want to clarify. So when you're going out there and you're fishing, are you wading out or are you on the beach itself? 
Um, at the most, I'm probably knee deep. Oh, okay. um, you know, there's the only time I I go any deeper than that is if we're in one of the like in the inlet. There's a section uh, called a radio island. It's like an offshoot of the inlet. So that is a really popular trout spot, and you could do fine without wading out. But there are so many people there that if you don't somebody's just going to step in front of you and, and you won't have anywhere to cast. So it's really out of necessity there rather than, you know, having to be out that deep because you really don't have to be. Um, okay. So yeah, at this time of year, especially I'm not going to be any more than middle of my shins to my knees. One, I like to see, be able to see what's around me and then be able to move if I have to. Um, and then, you know, two is that's, that's again, that's where, the gear comes into play, you right. know, um, cause you know, I'll see a guy that's chest deep and, you know, I could probably stand back 20 yards behind him and, and still throw another 20, 30 yards past him. So, <laughs> you know, but that, those are the really kind of the old school guys that you can, it's hard to get them to change. So, you know, but yeah, that's, that's kind of another reason for the, the, the gear setup. So you like running the nine, uh, nine foot six to ten foot fast action rods with the uh, Shimano Twin Power running ten, fifteen, maybe twenty pound braid, and yep. you're casting it out. You were saying 130, 140. It, uh, is that consistent with a certain weight category of a lure, or is that um, like, hey, yeah, I can get it out there with all these ones? What what are we looking at there? Yeah, so I, I start with a three quarter. I could I could probably get that max. With the wind, you know, 10, 10, 12 miles per hour, miles per hour behind me, um, about 70 max yards with the three quarter. And then with the one ounce, I, you know, around 90. And these are the, the uh, where we had them marked off and stuff. So um, 90 on the, um, the one ounce and then the. The one ounce or the ounce and a half and two ounce were pretty much identical, um, and a lot of that had to do, has to do with the rod type more than anything else. Because, for instance, with my ten foot um, rod, I can cast a one ounce as well as say the the uh, ounce and a half, but that one is not necessarily built as well for the two ounce. So. The sweet spot with it is the ounce and a half. So the ounce and a half, we maxed that out at about 140. Now, with the two ounce, I think the max was about 135. And that's just because of the way the rod is built. So it it gives more. The 10-foot gives a little more than the 9.6. And they're both the same rod. It's just the way that they're built. The, the 9.6 is a little bit stiffer. So... It's built to, it, it can handle the two ounce better than the 10 foot one, which most people would think it'd be the opposite. But, you know, uh, uh, again, a lot of it is the action and how the the rods are built that dictate the, the distance. Yeah, that preload, know, then, preload makes a huge difference. Yep. And then technique as well. So if I'm trying to, if I'm just trying to cast it as far as I can, I'm going to grip the, the bottom, the knob of the, rod with my left hand if i'm trying to hit a specific spot i'm i'm going to 
choke up, so to speak, with my left hand and and look for accuracy. You know, kind of going back to baseball. So yeah. if if you you want to make sure you make contact, you're just gonna choke up, shorten your swing, and and concentrate on hitting the ball. But if you're really trying to nail one and get it out the park, um, you're going to more than likely you're going to not choke up and and just swing you know swing for the fences, so to speak. So. Um, it's the same to me. It's the same concept, and I take a lot of it back to to things back to baseball. If I want to uh, cut through the wind a little more, you know, I'll drop it down to maybe a three quarter of a cast. If it's just a beautiful day and I want to take advantage of the wind behind me, then I'm going more overhand to let the uh, lure get up into the to the breeze and and carry it out there. So with these different weights, and this is my brain playing with me here. So when you start throwing these heavier weights in, I mean, it hits the water, it's going to go want to go right to the bottom. Uh, but the goal right. is to keep it up in the upper water column. I'm, I'm probably guessing you want to keep it up in the higher point, higher surface, mid to high column. Um, yep. What, what is the, what's kind of the trick or the technique for that? Because that, that far out, I mean, you've got, you've got a long way to go. And exactly. That that, yep. that lure's got you're going to be burn, burning is my first thought, but I think there's some more to it that I'm <laughs> missing. So well, what am I missing here? <laughs> yeah, that that's an ex- excellent question because uh, a guy just showed me the trick to that because I was at for the longest time, you know, it was cast it, see it hit the water, and then try to immediately get it back up to the surface. But what uh, what this guy, same guy that actually builds the rods for me. Um, what he showed me was what you want to do, especially when the fish are like really feeding up on top is one, don't cast into right in directly into it. You want to cast past it if you can. So, or the right or left and then come, come through it. So um, the trick is you're, you're basically, you're going to have, you have to track the lure. As soon as you cast it, you track it all the way and you try to time it that, as soon as it hits the water or just before you're closing your bail and you're already con- you're already starting your retrieve so it's hitting the water almost like um i'm trying to think of what i'm thinking about but it's almost like um if you were throwing uh let's say you had a, a ball tied to a string and you threw it out and before it hits the water you're starting to pull back the line to keep it skipping across the top. I mean, it's, it's basically that concept. So instead of waiting for it to hit the water and, you know, smack the water and then sink, you're starting to retrieve just before, um, the, the, uh, lure hits the water. And so the slack is going to keep it from breaking off, but at the same time, you're not going to have to catch up all that slack. Cause a lot of times I think what happens is you're thinking you're throwing right into the frenzy, but a lot of times you may be coming under it. Um, if if depending on where you land, of course, um, if you have if you're good enough to get 20 yards past it and then come through it, that's one thing. But um, yeah, that that trick right there has um, I think landed a, a bunch of fish for me. Wow! So it's basically again, you know, before the lure hits the water you're taking advantage of the slack in the line uh, and you're starting to, you close the bail depending on your type of reel. Like for mine, I have to physically shut it. Um, And then I start to uh, retrieve as the lure is almost in the water. I mean, it's still on the way to hitting the water 
and that keeps it skipping across the top immediately versus 20 or 30 yards later getting to the top. Yeah, so. that's, that's going to require a lot of practice. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he told me, I was like, oh, that sounds good, man. And you know, I tried it, and, uh, you, know, you know, I was like, I think I might have snapped off a couple trying that. And, <laughs> you know, but, but once you get it, you get it. I mean, right. and you, you will notice the difference because you're, you're, I think the problem was before is you're just trying to catch up with the line and you've already gone past where all the fish are feeding. You know, you still will hook up, but this gave it more of a consistent bite when, um, you know, uh, some others, first of all, couldn't reach that, that same spot. But, you know, you're kind of putting yourself in their category because you're dragging it along the bottom for the first 10, 15 yards anyway, you know, trying to get it back up to the top. Right. So, yeah. Yes, and now, well, you're not under them. All right. Exactly. Well, yep. get another massive nugget of giant information right there. <laughs> That's two <laughs> yeah. huge ones. Well, because uh, we're going to move into that one, let's go ahead and make a quick pause real fast. Okay. Bay check number two. Make sure you bring that line in. Double check your gear. Make sure it is good to go. If you're using set rigs, if you're using lures, this is, you know, you've been bait checking the entire time, which a lot of us are about to start doing now after this episode because I know I'm going to. Two new rods are going into the into my, uh, <laughs> into my beach cart with me with lures now. No longer one. Uh, this bait check has been brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com and take a look at all the th items that they have in the shop. Not only are they Ninja Tackle, they are now Ninja Tactical. So for any of you that do outdoor shooting, anything of that nature, Ninja Tackle has you covered with gear and accessories. Head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com and get your order set up and shipped out immediately. Thank you, Ninja Tackle, for being a part of the show. And uh, always cheering me on when I catch fish with your rods because I love your stuff. <laughs> All right, now the part that I've been really excited about. So we're going to transition out of the out of the education phase, and now we're going to get into <laughs> the fun stuff. So what is Beach Bum Lures? Okay, so uh, I'll take it back. I'll, let's, let's go back, say, uh, well, you know, we'll go back to the beginning because that part's real quick. Um, when I used to use the gotcha plugs on the pier, uh, I wasn't quite satisfied with the color options. I mean, you basically you had a red and white or a white with a red head, uh, white with a chartreuse head, and then white with, I believe, blue or green back then. So, and, and also they were only about 80 cents. You know, now they're, you know, they're, they're a lot more. Yeah, now. a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So what I started doing, I would just buy the solid white one and – I'd take, you know, Sharpies or whatever I could find. I'm like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna put a dot on this one or I'm going to, you know, put stripes on this one uh, or I'm going to color this one completely uh, red or, you know, crazy stuff like that. Um, now, little did I know I was laying the groundwork for what eventually became Beach Bum Lures. But uh, when I moved to Charlotte um, – we fish for a lot of freshwater striper out of uh, Lake Norman. And because of the way it was set up, you had to cast a long way. I mean, just to get to where the fish were. So a lot of times those fish were, you know, feeding in spots where, you know, 80, 80 feet, 80 uh, yards from the, the bank. And so that's, that was the first time I actually bought a surf rod was to fish for freshwater striper. So 
what I found was that a lot of the locals, they had molds, and they would just pour their own uh, uh, spoons, uh, lead spoons, and paint them white, and would use to, to fish for them. So I eventually uh, got to where I would buy a bunch of blanks and paint them myself and then uh, take those out there and use them. But one year I said, well, shoot, I'm going to take them to the beach. Um, so I painted up a bunch of in gold and uh, white and silver and all these different colors just to see how they did. And uh, one particular day, I'd say this was around 2000 and. 15 maybe uh, I think it was maybe a little bit later but I took about 30 of them out in a box out on the beach I knew bluefish were biting so I was like ah, we'll see what what's going on and I started catching fish catching one after another one after another and uh, I was the only person on the beach catching anything so uh, a couple guys came over like hey what are you using I'm like ah, just these things I painted up at home handed each one of them one or two and um and left for took a little break went to get something to eat came back and the same two guys you know before i could even get down to the water they're running towards me i'm like oh well what the heck's going on here you know what you know what are they doing and uh they asked me hey man you got any more of those we and they (laughs) showed me the fish that they caught um and then they lost them because the fish were cutting them off. So I was like, that was like, you think you could sell us some? And, um, that's how it started. I mean, it was as simple as I opened up the box and I didn't know, you know, Hey, I didn't make them to sell. I just made them to use myself. And, um, I think I sold them for like $3 a piece. I sold every, I kept, I think three or four for myself. And I knew I had a few more in, in, in my truck kept a few for myself and I sold every one of them. I mean, and as I was driving home, I was like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're on to something, you know? Uh, so I started doing more, buying more blanks, painting them, posting them on Facebook. Uh, looking back at some of them, I would have said, well, man, I would, I would never use that myself, let alone sell it, you know, but, <laughs> um, but, but those were the beginnings of it. And, um, the name came from, it was a little bit of a funny story, but there's a particular spot that I always fished and there's, there's condos behind it. So a lot of, you see a lot of the same people, you know, out walking in the morning thing or the evening, uh, walking their dogs, things like that. So there's one particular lady that, that, uh, older lady, I mean, she's probably in her six, late sixties at the time, but I'd always say hi to her and she would never say a word. So, you know, I got to the point to where I just say hi to be annoying, you know, Hey, how you doing this morning? (laughs) And, uh, she, she, one morning she eventually came up and she said, she said, every time I come out here, you're here, you know, you would think you were some kind of beach bum or something. And, uh, you know, and I don't think she was even being nasty about it. I just think she was, that was her way of, of being funny and, and finally saying hi or whatever. And, um, it's cause we, we stood there and talked for a few seconds and then, uh, you know, every day after that, she, Hey, how you doing? You catching any fish? That kind of thing. And, but that conversation stuck with me. And, and, and when it came time to, um, uh, na- give a name for the company, that's what it became. It became uh, beach bum lures. So, uh, 
that that's the story behind it. And then, you know, it's really geared toward uh, um, started out as surf fishing lures, you know. Um, but then uh, I started noticing a lot of the guys that fish with boats were asking for them. And, you know, I was like, well, you already have, you know, your cast masters and sting silvers, things like that. And I'm like, well, why would you want to try my stuff? And, um, you know, it eventually just kind of trickled into that. Guys that were using them on the beach also used them on their boat. And, you know, the kind of the word spread that way. And then a couple of shops stepped in and asked if I'd be interested in, in uh, supplying them. And it just grew from there, really. So um, really a from, you know, it literally started in my garage or actually it wasn't even the garage at that point. It was my backyard um, and moved to the garage and uh, you know, here we are today. So. And here we are today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Um, you kind of said it, but like, I, I think I want to ask again. So what made you want to create beach bum lures then? Oh, okay. So, um, really it, it, it happened because I was seeing the, you know, a lot of stuff that I, I would call and some people in that's been fishing a long time would say, that's just nuts. That's never going to work. And, but my thought was absolutely they'll work, you know? Um, and, and that came from, uh, the years of fishing on the pier and then at the rock jetties, things like that. Um, seeing how, um, uh, fish feed, see what they're feeding on, that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, there, this, that like, for example, there's a bait fish they call a red anchovy. So I would take a, uh, a paint that was like, it's not necessarily a hot pink or any kind of, it's almost like if you could take a tomato, if there was a tomato pink, if that were a real color, um, it and I said, that's now. exactly, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looked exactly like, to me, it looked like this bait fish they call red anchovy. So I, I painted it up and took it out and, and caught a lemon of Spanish and, you know, uh, I think it was an hour and a half. Um, and I started saying, okay, well, if that worked, then what, what about this color? And then what about this color combination? And then uh, as I learned more techniques, I, I, I really just got a... Uh, a passion for it. You know, it's like a painter learning how to do something, learning how to do, uh, a, uh, you learn a new technique to do a tree or a cloud or something. It was like everything I saw in the store had the potential to be a fishing lure, you know, <laughs> every color, <laughs> um, every piece of fabric, things like that. I was like, well, what can I, how can I use this to, uh, make, make a presentable fishing lure. Um, you know, I would go to the dollar stores, things like that and find different things that would, I think would that I thought at the time would look good in the water, not to me, but to the fish. And that was the difference, you know, um, the, the biggest, I think the biggest piece that came from that is, um, there's a, I use a mylar strip through most of them um that's reflective and pretty much every bait fish no well not all of them but a lot of the bait fish have that same lateral line running through the middle of them and i said well that's what their fish are keying on i'm i'm, I'm pretty sure um 
it might not be the eyes or the color, but I think that strip for something that's moving fast, a, a lure that's moving fast, that's enough to make them think it's real. So that became a staple. And then it came, just became a part of the, every lure that I did just about, you know, now I learned how to do a, what's a, I call a scale pattern, things like that. And, you know, just to give it even more um, of a realistic look. So, but yeah, but to answer the question, the reason why I wanted to do it is um, I knew there was something there. And two years ago, I was laid off at Wells Fargo. And I took, I said, well, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, this is the time to do it. You know, um, I'm going to take whatever severance they give me, pour that into the business. And then if it fails, I'm going to, you know, fail and, and go back to a desk and that wouldn't be the, the worst thing in the world. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I just, I had a vision and I uh, wanted to see each step be completed before I stepped to the next one. And then, uh, you know, hey, it's that, that this is where we are now, and it's doing really well. So, I, I mean, I love seeing the paint schemes you've come up with. I mean, uh, one that sticks out to me is that uh, pink and white scale with uh, the silver stripe running down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like mm, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, that's one of one of the favorites, and you know that. <laughs> well, and that's part. It kind of goes back to what I was just saying. This time last year, that pink portion on along the back was just a solid pink. But I was like, okay, what, what kind of more, what more detail can we get into it without looking, you know, uh, w- without getting too hokey with it? Um, but that little detail, I believe, it might just get you two or three more bites than you never did, than than you would have gotten the year before. So yeah. that's kind of. But two or th- two or three is a better day at the beach than zero. That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the lures themselves. Um, I know you have um, several different types, so let's let's go through it. Tell us about your lures. Okay. So we have uh, the the main one, um, and, and is the uh, the gunslinger jig, which um, is basically. I don't know if you if you've seen the uh, what did you call that the the do it mold has like that the kind of the football long football shape yeah. lure but it has like the the wire uh uh eyelets where you tie in your lure and put on your hook so um which which is fine but my thing was because that's what i first started using i started using the do it mold and i was like well this could be better um so i kind of slimmed out the body a little bit and then uh and when I say slim out, I literally took a notepad and sketched out. Or if I had my own personal mold that I started from scratch, this is what it would look like. So um, I did the loop eyelet to give the lure more action and then kind of shifted the weight a little bit. So you'll have more lead here than in a certain area for a better cast. And then so I got a couple of molds made. Um and that, and the gunslingers usually that's the guys what people are using on the beach, and they're using um, on the boat, and the more skilled pier fishermen could use it, but if you're you were new to pier fishing, it would be difficult because you have to you have to literally keep it down in the water, and you have to find ways to do that. So that kind of leads me into what's next, which I kind of played off of the gunslinger name into the pier slinger 
which basically it, it's it's almost identical, but again, I sketched it out um, first on a, on a pad, and then instead of that that uh, the eyelet where you tie in being at the the front of the lure, it's at the top. So with it being at the top, now the lure is going to stay down in the water if you're fishing from the pier rather than having to force it to stay down, it's going to just kind of skim across the top of the water, which is what you want anyway. And then you could also use it from the beach. Um, so the pier slinger covers the, the beach and the, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, gun slinger covers the surf fishing and the boat fishing. And then the pier slinger um, kind of does everything. So you can use it from the beach, you can use it from the pier, you can use it from a boat, you know, pretty much it's really versatile. Yeah, I can just... see that, how that would work, because you're especially at an elevated position like that, it's going to give you that extra little wobble and pull. That's right, exactly, yeah. Uh, and being at an elevated position like a pier or a rock jetty, um, you, 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 it's just going to be easier to keep it on the surface or just below it. And then uh, also do a, uh, I, I, I do an offshore, like a heavier vertical jig. I didn't, haven't done any of those this year, mainly because of, of, of the time <clears throat> moving and all that. But um, there's the, there's also a top water, <coughs> excuse me, a, like a popper type um, lure that, you know, you're just casting it out for the like the bigger bluefish and and king mackerel things like that. Um, so that's one where you're just casting as far as you can. You just burning it back in and skipping it across the top of the water, okay. and that that causes some pretty big strikes too. Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I've noticed with a couple of different ones, um, and I think that I'm I think I'm talking about the gunslinger. So at the back yep. end, you have a single inline hook, um, and at Correct. the front end, uh, there's an eye, but I see hooks that are run off of, wa uh, what is that, fabric? Uh, I can't remember what that rig is called. I know, I know I'm going to butcher it for it. Oh, um, so um, the assist hook, um, is that what you mean for that? I think so, yeah. It's got the, it's the rope with the red, uh, the yep, red yep. connection. Yep, that's right. Um, and and those are the uh, offshore um, vertical jigs. So um, with those, and and actually the name we the label we have for those, those are called. Uh, it's like a, another play on word. I used to be a journalist uh, for a little bit, so everything is an opportunity to mess around <laughs> with words. So yes, it is. We, yeah, we we call those the wreck havoc instead of you know wreak havoc. We turn them in turn that into a wreck. Like the offshore I, was wreck. I was wondering what that one like what does wreck yeah. have it? So, okay, I'm tracking now. <laughs> yeah. And uh so those those um that's uh, uh um I poured all those myself, uh bought a mold from a guy from Virginia, um Collins Customs I think is is, is the business. And uh so those are two ounce, four ounce and six. No, 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 I'm sorry, two, four, six and eight um ounce. And those are for the guys that, uh, you know, the grouper and um, the, like, the the uh, amberjack, things like that, and hang around the, the, the reefs and wrecks. So, um, like I said, those, I hadn't done any of those this, this season, but I'll get back. I'm going to do a, uh, a design change to those 
Um, so they'll be kind of back in the fold when we get into 2023. Okay. So that's the vertical jigging yep. deal right there. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm just starting to learn about that. Uh, Ryan uh, Smith, cast an assassin. Uh, he's big mm-hmm. uh, about that out here. And uh, yep. the the dude, when he starts talking about slopish jigging, I would just watch him with awe. I mean, there's no better way to say it. I'm a total fanboy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's just crushing AJs and like, what? What? You're not doing this? Yeah. I'm kind of like, no, I don't yeah. know how to do it like you. Show me the way, master. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy that's... sometimes. I, we got into some amberjack last year there. I think, I think the smallest one was like 52 pounds. I mean, and just unbelievable. As soon as you think you're about to land it, it dives straight back to the bottom. And you're like, oh, I got to do that again. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I've been told catching an AJ is a it's a full body workout, and you're you're gonna be <laughs> yeah. you're gonna hate your life after. So <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, all right. So we we kind of talked about it, and I think unless I missed another point, so. All the lures have kind of a different style, but you can use them different ways. And we talked about it earlier. But yep. is there any other ways that you recommend fishing your lures? I know we talked about speed, but what, is there anything else? Yeah, I'd say the and, and this is something I had to learn from customers. So um, and and that and a lot of that I do like for instance when I was doing all of the sales through Facebook, um, I'd always say you know hey if you catch something go to my Facebook page and and uh post it or whatever and you know and then let us know what you caught it on that kind of thing so um one thing i did learn is the one ounce gunslinger um now with me it was all about if i used that one it was either i was trying to catch a trout albacore false albacore or spanish so turns out that a lot of guys were taking them out on their boats out at the artificial uh, reefs, and they were actually jigging those. They were vertically jigging those and catching Atlantic Bonito um, and you know the the bigger gray trout or or weak fish, depending on uh, where you are. But uh, the uh, speckled trout, gray trout. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the the um, black sea bass. So I would have never even thought about using them that way. Um, and I have a, a customer who lives in uh, Surf City, North Carolina, which is about an hour north of us. Uh, he uses that same, those same lures, and he does the same thing off the pier, and he catches fish with them that way. Um, so I've, I never would have thought of it myself to use them like that, but um, apparently that it's pretty effective, you know, especially early in the spring when they uh, Atlantic Benito, when they come through, you know, it, it gets pretty nuts around here because, um, you know, one, there's, it's basically a, a smaller version of the yellow fin. So, I mean, they're delicious eating and, and uh, a lot of good sport there. They give you the fight of a false albacore and, and, and they're tasty. So, uh, but yeah, I'd say the vertical jigging is probably the biggest um, surprise to people. When, when I tell them that, you can use them that way. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's your rigs are so versatile. I mean, you, you just turn and burn, slow pull, uh, vertical jigging. I mean, yep. Wow. You, you got a one-stop shop. That's brilliant, man. Well done. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the perfect time for another pause. 
Okay. Your third and final bait check for this episode. This episode, this bait check has been brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at the sinkers, rigs, and a whole bunch of other things that are hiding. If you haven't seen it yet, you don't know what I'm talking about. You need to head over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at the new sets of gear that Chip is putting out there. Lots of good stuff for your uh, fishing days, guaranteed quick shipping and excellent customer service. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com. Take a look at what Chip's got going on in the Sinker Guy garage. Lots of fun stuff coming your way. What has been your favorite thing about making lures? Just the creativity part of it. I mean, that you know, um, I, I used to watch as a kid, and I and I, I know this is directly related to it, it this as well, but I used to watch The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. Like, oh, yeah like religiously you know so if there was an episode on i'd rush to get home so i could see it um you know and i think i've probably seen every um episode and one thing that stood out to me that he would always say is he's done thousands of paintings yet when he finishes one he's still amazed that he did it you know, it's like, wow, I just created this beautiful painting. And I kind of get the same feeling when it comes to the lures. It's like I'm never satisfied with the one I just did before. I want to perfect it if, if if there is such a thing. And even now, I'm you know, with the stuff hanging in stores, I'll walk in some of these stores. And I'm like, there's no way I don't even that, there's no way that that's really mine. You know, that kind of thing. Um because if this this were back four years ago, I'd have just been happy to to sell a few on Facebook for the week, you know. And then you walk into a store and you're like, "Wow, that's really my stuff." And you know, my wife would always say, "You should take pictures of it." And I'm like, yeah, "You know, I gotta act like I've been there before. I can't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, like the baseball thing when you hit your first home run, you know, act like you've you've already hit fifty, you know." Um, so, but but really, um, I am really amazed every time I, I I finish something, and that makes me want to try something else. So I'd say, just the 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 freedom to just kind of do whatever you like, and I think it's that freedom that prevents the really big companies from going there, so to speak. You know, it's like they have the set. I could imagine they probably before they come up with a new design, you know, they probably get 10, 15 people together in a room and then they have their engineers look at it. And with me, I get to just, I can take a, a blank lure and put the primer on it and then, you know, just do whatever comes to my head. You know, that, I think that's the, the easiest way I can answer that. No, it's, I mean, looking at this stuff that I've gone through your pictures, it's great looking work. So hell of a job, really well done. Beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it. So what has been one of your best lessons learned so far? Um, I'd, I'd say um, never give up. I mean, uh, you know, that sounds cliche and, and you know, uh, you've heard it a million times, but there was literally a time when, um, you know, I was posting stuff on Facebook. I might get like two likes and, you know, every third post, somebody will say, oh, yeah, I'll take a few of those or whatever. And um, and 
I remember looking up a competitor, and you know, I I really don't even consider myself his competitor yet, because um, he's in so many different places. But, um, which also keeps me working hard. But um, I was looking at stuff on his website, and I was like, man, you know, I, I'm kidding myself. I can't compete with that, you know. And and um, I was just gonna I, at that point, I said, you know what, I'm just gonna just make a few for me and my friends and, and we'll leave it at that. But the ones that I made that week before I took down to the beach, I, I took those out and I'm just catching one fish after another, one after another, one after another. And it kind of re-energized me to the point to where I'm like, you know what, you know what, I, I am onto something and let me just keep pushing forward. And um, so and and really, it's the same with uh, with with the fishing portion of of the story because I saw on Facebook uh, three days ago, guy caught his very first Spanish. It was probably I don't know, it may be in eleven inches. It definitely wasn't a legal fish. He he, you know, he had a big smile on his face. Um, you know, he's he's he, and he's got the fish in the picture and all that. And you know, being Facebook and being social media. Half the comments were, you know, you know, making fun of the size of the fish. Yeah. And I'm like, my comment to him, though, and it was intentionally so to say, keep casting. They're going to get bigger, you know, and congratulations on your first fish. You know, so rather than discouraging him from uh, continuing to try uh, my my thing is you you want to encourage because I've I've been there you know I've been that guy catch, catching his first fish that you know another guy looks at and will look down his nose oh that's just a a a, a dink or a, a just a, a little rat Spanish or whatever they want to call it but to him that was his first Spanish and that's going to get him back on the beach so um, I can relate to all of that you know uh, I didn't come from the the, the most privileged background. So I know what it's like to work hard and work from behind to catch up to everybody else. So, uh, you know, that, that, and that's been, I think the lesson my whole life pretty much. So good on you, man, for that. Cause that, that's something in, uh, I'm one of the admins for panhandle surf fishing down here in our area. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I have been talked to by the other admins, um, cause I am very quick to hit the delete button and block people. Uh, right. because if I start seeing the negative things towards that, towards people, I'm like, why are you even here? Exactly. Why, yeah. why do you need to be negative? If you need to be negative, go to another group. You know, I know that there's so many of those groups that are all for, Oh, it's razzing. You got to put your time in. You know what? Yeah. Why don't you just celebrate somebody catching a fish? Who cares? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Not a fan. All right. Oh, coming up on close to the end here, man. So you're almost home free. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is your personal favorite lure and why? Okay. Uh, that's well. I'm I'm gonna say there's a tie. Uh, right. There's a there's a silver and white with the scale pattern. Oh um, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's like the and and the reason for that one is it's kind of a lure for all seasons. So from from the time the Spanish and false albacore show up in April, um, and and we do get a short run of, of false albacore in April, it's about the same time as the Atlantic Bonito. But from the time they show up in April to the time the 
they're they're leaving out of here in early November. I know I can take that out and catch a fish on it. Um, and the preferred size for that is the three quarter because of the it's almost identical to the bait fish, the average bait fish size around here. Um, it, that one is just that's just the all star of all stars. The one ounce has sold out. You know, I started the year with about, I'd say the year I started uh, June with about 300 of those. And, um, you know, th those are those are gone and have to be redone. Um, so the one ounce is probably the popular, most popular because you can deal with the wind a little bit better if it's not ideal. But the three quarter to me actually gets more more bites than anything. And then the other would be the let's say the pink and white we were just talking about because it's pretty much the same uh, pattern and all that. It's just one's pink, one's uh, one silver. So I'd say those are probably neck and neck. Okay. Yeah, that silver caught my eye when I was going through. I've, I've become a real sucker for silver and shine lately. I know it shouldn't be, yep. but man, that <laughs> no, because our water has been getting cleaner and gotcha. our fish, like others in other areas, they change colors. You know, they got to get their camouflage. Yep. But our bait fish are almost always a shine. And that yep. silver, I was like, mm, sunny day. It's going to do damage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, it, it, it never fails. I mean, there's some specialty ones like the electric chicken and then the uh, blue and silver. Those are kind of seasonal. I mean, they'll always catch pretty much. But those two, you can kind of rely on them all year long. Yeah, I can see that definitely working, especially in the in the tackle box. Yep. All right. What have been some of your most memorable reported catches on your lures? Uh, let's see. The first one was uh, uh, King Mackerel, actually. Um, guy was on his boat trolling it, trolling one with a piece of trolling lead, and uh, he sent me. A, he posted a picture on the Facebook group, and I was like. I was like, well, what is this? <laughs> you know, um, and I, I couldn't, you know, it was, I was so excited about it. I was like telling my wife, I was like, hey, this guy caught a, caught a king mackerel on one of the lures, you know, and she was like, what? You know, and, I, and uh, you know, and then there's been a couple of guys that then posted a grouper and um, let's see, guy caught a mahi on a headboat. Whoa. You know, the captain – Captain stopped and um, saw saw a school of mahi and let let some guys uh, cast from the front of the boat. He hooked it and uh, you know fought it for a little bit and sent me a picture. You know, and I was like, "You're joking," you know, um, that kind of thing. So, you know, what I looked at as just being a lure for uh, near shore stuff. You know, your Spanish and things like that. You know, you see a picture of a guy uh, showing you um, some of the more the exotic fish. Um, you know, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, you just never know. And that's the thing about saltwater fishing anyway that we all like is, you know, you, each every cast you cast out, um, you, you know, it could be just about anything within reason, you know. And, uh, you know, for me personally – um, I've hooked, like I said, I might have mentioned earlier, hooked a couple of kings. The 
the first one was on the first edition, so to speak, of my stuff. Um, cast it into uh, a school of bait. Was about to, you know, I really sped it up just so I can cast out again. And when I really picked up that speed, that's when I it got uh, hit. And I fought it for maybe 15, it was like 15 minutes it felt like. And the only reason I knew it was a king was when it, that on its last run, it turned broadside and I could see it. You know, at that, at that point, I was just thinking it was a big false albacore or, you know, something else or whatever. Because you hear stories of blackfin being mixed in with albacore or things like that. But I could see this was a very big, I mean... If I had to guess, it, was, it could have been a, a 30 pounder, you know, and um, there's really nothing I could do with it. It just, when it turned and went lateral to the beach, it went straight for the rock jetty and cut me off at the end, at the last rock. So rude. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I was, I think I was, my hands were shaking and I could, I couldn't fish for another 20 minutes. I was sitting there <laughs> on a rock feeling bad, feeling sorry for myself and, uh, you know, but but that you know a lot of that, a lot of that a lot of things uh, were revealed to me on that. You know, um, one, I was really I was cranking it or retrieving it so fast that it was like literally jumping across the top of the water, so I could get back out there uh, with another cast. And it wasn't until maybe another year after that that I thought, well. That's as fast as this reel would go, and it was that fish still was able to catch up to it and 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 you know hit it. Um, so uh, that told me there's there's not a, a retrieve that's too fast for these fish, you know, um, for for a saltwater predator like that. I mean, it's just you you can't you're not going to outrun them, so don't be afraid that thinking that you're uh, cranking too fast. Oh man, that's like. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Because yeah, they are. They're stupid fast. I mean, you just look and they're flashing. They're gone. You're like, what the hell? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and then another little nugget is, especially people, anyone that's fished for a lot of Spanish, you'll notice that sometimes you'll hook. The hook is actually set in on the fish right around the eye. So that's just, to me, that tells me that they're just, they're coming up to investigate it. And they got a little too close, and the hook got them. But the, the key is the lure looked good enough to where the Spanish wanted to get that close. You know, even if, though it was going to turn away, it wanted to go. It, it looked good enough and looked edible enough for the Spanish to want to get that close and take a, take a, at least take a, a really good look at it before swimming off or, or attacking it. So, um it's it's pretty cool stuff, man. I mean, it all kind of uh, rolls into each other when you really think about it. Um, when the lure hits the water, that splash, you know, I think that itself attracts predators. Oh yeah, which will 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 bring it closer to the to the lure. So, you know, I you know I like to just sit and sometimes just think about those things. So. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of goofy that way, I guess. But. Oh, no, you're not. It's not goofy. I mean, the constant <laughs> student, man. How to catch them all, make it easier. You know, we're all trying to get the most bang for our buck with the least amount of, you know, losses. So that that's yep. absolute that's right there. 
Uh, and I agree with you, man. That splash uh, was what I went fishing last week. No, a few days ago, I think it was. Uh, I threw mm. a set rig out, a uh, high-low rig with a piece of shrimp on it. As soon as the wa- it hit the water, I went to go tighten up my line, and I had a fish on. Mm-hmm. I had a bluefish on. Right. You know, it was just that splash, and what's that? Oh, I want yep. that, whatever it was. So Absolutely. Yeah, that splash Absolutely. makes a difference. Yep. All right, last two questions. Here we go. What right. knowledge would you give to a brand-new angler? Well, uh, first, um, I'd say, first, I think first and foremost, don't get frustrated early. Um, you know, um, it, it's like anything else. you got to put your time in. And, uh, you know, the one of the more – one of the only frustrating parts for me uh, since getting into the, the, the lure business is – the guys that you know fish for one week out of the year and expect that to be the the week that you know um that the fish are going to be just kind of hitting everything in sight you know the reality is you have to be extremely lucky for that to be the case you know the wind has to be right the water has to be right and you know everything has to be playing perfectly for that to happen Instead, if you have time, put the time in, um, you know, learn as much as you can for what you're trying to do. So, um, for instance, you would be the guy I would go to and say, well, I I want to um, maybe learn how to catch reds. You know, what kind of rod should I use? What kind of reel? What kind of line? Things like that. Um, Now, I would be the worst person to come to for that because I hadn't done it in, you know, 18 years. So I would say, you know, get your, get the type of gear. Um, like the one, one thing you see on Facebook is somebody will say, ask a question, what is the best rod and reel combination I should get? But then they won't tell you what they're actually targeting. And then you'll hear a bunch of, you'll see a bunch of guys comment, Oh, you should get this. You should get that. And but the person hasn't even told you what they're going for, so it's impossible for me to to give you advice. So, you know, figure out what it is you what interests you the most. Um, and maybe just catching anything does. Uh, but you know, once you kind of lock in on what excites you the most, um, learn all you can on how to be successful about it. You know, when when I first got started. And I'm, uh, I think you, you would say the same thing. You know, you couldn't just go on YouTube and type in Spanish mackerel fishing. You know, you kind of had to learn everything from people that are willing to show you things and then just going out and trying. And then uh, secondly, I would say um, just just keep at it. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's times where I think I can think back to two weeks ago. There were Spanish all over the place. Then one of those times where they just didn't want to hit anything. But I knew from from the previous years that 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 only lasts but for so long. You know, um, they're eventually gonna start hitting. All those fish are still gonna be there. Um, but one day they're gonna get to where they're hungry again, and they're gonna start hitting everything. And and that, sure enough, that happened. You know, so or then um, so so really, it's just. Putting the time is the and as the most important thing I'd say, and and not getting frustrated to the point of wanting to give up. Um, 
you know, because you, you, you hear that a lot too. It's like, well, I tried all last week and didn't get anything. And, and I'm like, well, try again next week. You know, it'll be different, yep. you know, um, you know, so that, that I'd say those two things are, are most important. And, you know, don't also I have to add one more thing. Yeah, man. You Go don't on. need a $1,000 setup no, you to don't. be successful. You know, um, you know, it's like the, if, if I were going to pick up golf right now, um, I would get the bare minimum and try to learn the skill of playing golf. It's, I think fishing is the same thing, same way you learn the skills to justify needing, um, better equipment, you know? Um, so if you, if you, you if you screw up a $50 reel, it's not going to kill you at the end of the day, but you know, it would if that, that real 600 bucks, you know, so learn, learn the craft, so to speak, and then, um, branch out from there and, you know, think things will turn pretty quickly. You know, I mean, I went from never even knowing what a, a gotcha plug was to, you know, by the end of that year, you know, I'm standing out there on the end with the, with, with the guys catching all the same things. So, you know, but, at the same time, you know, I knew where I was when I started, didn't get in anybody's way, uh, went went out when no one else was out just so I could practice and, you know, little things like that. It's just being uh, a student of the game, uh, so to speak. Yeah. That's the only way we can be, man. It makes us better. Yep. Absolutely. All right. The last question. All right. What's next for you? Well, uh, you know, my, my mind's always going 100 miles per hour. So basically what I'm, I'm looking at right now is um, trying to decide if I want to uh, get on with a distribution company that will definitely make my life a lot easier. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you start something from scratch, you want to make sure it's cared for properly. Um, you know, and, and, and not turn into, um, just a, a, a money machine. You don't, you know, the worst thing I could think of is if, uh, I put that, put some things into other people's hands and then you hear a comment later, well, those, they used to be good, but now, you know, they're crap, you know? Um, so that's a big personal fear of mine is it, it not being cared for. Um, so uh, I'm thinking of ways to either go that that route or to um, continue to do most of the stuff myself um, and to, to, to keep putting out a quality product. You know, I mean, a good example is uh, one of the bigger, bigger um, bait shops on the Outer Banks. You know, I've been talking with them back and forth about getting some stuff in there and they're like, well, well, hey, well, we're paying a lot less for Sting Silvers than it would cost to get yours. And I'm like, well, that's like comparing, you know, a, uh, uh, a Shimano Stella to, um, just a, a, a real, you can go grab in your Walmart, you know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're both going to cast and retrieve, but the difference is you're going to be replacing that, that reel from Walmart, uh, or somewhere else. That's a cheaper reel. You're going to be replacing it every year. Whereas if you get something that's good in the beginning, you're going to keep it for a long time. You know, it's the same concept. You know, you can 
I feel like you can, I know personally uh, from using them for so long that you can catch 30 Spanish or blues on these things and you can still see the color. You can still see the finish and all that, all the good stuff that make them what they are. But, um, you know, the same style or I guess same category lure you get for two or three dollars cheaper you catch a couple of bluefish and it's it's almost ruined you know you're gonna have to tie on something else so it's just a matter of of of, of you getting what you pay for so to speak um and uh you know so for me i'm gonna split the comp split the business into a couple uh two different divisions so you're gonna have like some and i can't say a whole lot about it but it's going to be a collectibles kind of side where it's kind of going to different fan bases, things like that. And then you're going to have the, the hardcore fishing side where, where it pretty much is now. So that's the big, the big plan going forward. And um, so I've been brainstorming on that for a couple of months and uh, just to see where it goes. And, you know, there's a couple of licenses and things like that. You'd have to, to get to do it but i think at the end of the day it'll it, it, it should work out to uh be something unique out there you know and, and uh you know which has always been my goal is to do something a little do things a little different well you're definitely doing that and <laughs> you're crushing it man the basic everything i've seen has just been like yeah that makes sense that works and then looking through all the other stuff it's like okay cool it's going to yeah. keep going. It's going to keep growing. This is going to get better and better. Just keep going. So yeah. congratulations, sure. really, Tim, on everything you've done and how you've created this and what you're growing with it. So really, congratulations on making this baby grow and become your own. Well, thank you. Thank you. And again, uh, like I said, it's the first time I've uh, done anything like this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just pretty cool to be able to talk about uh, all this stuff and and you know, uh, it, it's just cool. You know, I like the, the whole sport is just pretty awesome to me. And, you know, it's one of the, the most fairest, one of the more fair games or sports out there, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, where you come from, no matter what you, where, where you've been, uh, or, or, or who, who, what your last name is, any of that stuff. It's just, you know, Hey, it's you, going out to the water and you know casting out a lure and seeing seeing what happens so it's pretty cool <laughs> yep <laughs> all right well tim thank you man seriously for all of this i i can't thank you enough for the time and thanks for letting me be your first podcast i mean that that that's fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. cool man um how yeah, thank so, you for having me well, anytime it, so people want to order from you where do they go yep so it's again it's uh beach bumluresfishing.com and uh, also you know if you're on Facebook you can go you can uh, send me a friend friend request and um, uh, so it'd be Tim Still S-T-I-L-L on Facebook um, and, and, and you can send me a message through Messenger so for example um, I like to give uh, like a group discount things like so if you have a, a you know, five or six guys, hey, let's get together and get some things. I can offer you a discount through Facebook 
messenger that I couldn't do through the website. So that's a little nugget that, uh, cause you know, you'll have guys going to the outer banks as a group or whatever. And like, Hey, let's, let's get together and get 20 or 30 lures or something like that. Then I can offer a discount that way. Nice. <laughs> Very yeah. nice. Everybody, now yeah. everybody's going to be like, so I need 50. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it I, I like to, you know, I have, it, the the price is set to match what they are in the store, right. so it's you know it's not a conflict there. But like I said, I'm 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 a realistic guy, and I know you know hey, if I can help somebody out, um, they're they're helping me out by using them. So it, whatever I can do to help out the the customer, I'm going to do that as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate you, and uh, I will be talking soon. Okay. Thanks again. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. I don't know if you were taking notes, but my page is full. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that after this episode I'm not going to walk to my garage and tie new lures onto my rod and get out in the morning and go do what I just learned, but there's a good chance that that's going to happen really soon because this was so much great knowledge about lure fishing and with the beach bum lures, how to work them, all those pieces for Spanish blues, uh, kings, and not to mention the slow pitch jigging. All these pieces put together have just created the perfect storm, so... Head on over to BeachBombLuresFishing.com. Take a look at all the stuff in there and get your order in because I, I know I will be. Thank you so much for listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I always appreciate every time that you come here and listen to the show. Any feedback you have, by all means, send it over. You always know I'm always looking for ways to get better, make these shows more helpful for you as an angler or to share it out there. Maybe somebody needed that info. Uh, so your feedback helps me do that and to keep on the up and up. If you'd like to be a, or if you'd like to advertise on the show, please reach out to me via email. We have advertising packages available, and if anybody wants to come on for an episode, by all means, shoot me an email. We'll talk. Maybe you can come on here to share your story. All right, everybody, you've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I am out of here. <laughs>